I don't believe people want to. What do you think they're really saying? They're saying I don't want to. And they're saying, yeah, they're saying I don't want to. And almost kind of saying you're crazy because you do it. Cadence and Kale, a 30-minute podcast designed to talk over last week's blog post, The Race. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about the blog post. So, each week, Vale and I receive a topic. Well, we actually chose the topics. And by a certain date, we have to write a blog post, but the deal is we can only write for 30 minutes. So, we set a timer, and we don't do any pre-writing, and you write for 30 minutes, And then you have to stop at 30 minutes. So we're going to give you our 10 word intros for today. Mine is, I'm a full-time side hustler who loves to laugh. I love it. Like always, I can't find my intro right now. Oh, there it is. I'm enjoying this merry Monday doing things I really love. Ooh, yeah. Fun. So for this episode, we'll talk about the race. We already wrote about it freestyle, like you heard on the blog. So check it out at cadenceandkale.com. Today, we'll continue excavating. What that means is I will ask Vale five questions based on her blog post, and she'll ask me five questions based on mine, but we don't know what the questions are ahead of time. Let's put the magic in motion. And like always... Rock, paper, scissors. To see who asks, who, to see who has control over how this goes. All right. Ooh, Ooh. you veil one, veil one. So. And I'm going to ask the first question Ooh. today. <laughs> okay. Um, so I love the disclaimer at the beginning of your post and your honesty. You picked the topic, the race. Why did you want to write about it, and why do you think you drew a blank when you started writing? (laughs) Yes, I I did choose the topic, the race. I think I chose the topic because it was right before the half Ironman um, Cartagena. So I think that we chose these topics at the end of November, and that race was December 3rd. And I had a lot of feelings going into that race because I felt highly unprepared for it. Um, and so I was anxious to write about it because I had so many feelings, so many things that I believed I could write about. And then the race happened and I actually ended up writing the blog post, um, later, much later. And I think I drew a blank. There's a few reasons. The first, the first thing that's coming to mind right now is that I didn't want to sound too competitive. (laughs) Just wait for one of my other questions. Oh, no. <laughs> so for years I've been, people tell me I'm competitive and I've been like telling them that I'm not. And now I will admit that yes, I am competitive and Vail's nodding her head like, yes, you are. And it actually came out at Christmas. My, my sister-in-law said, Diane's a really nice person except for when she's playing games. 
She didn't say it to me. It got back to me, though. And I was like, oh, man, really? Am I that much of an asshole? And, yeah, I, get, I, I mean, I, it's something I need to look at. So I drew a blank because I didn't want to sound like an asshole, basically. I didn't want to sound like this person writing this blog post about a race, or I didn't want to be shooting, um, shooting my own horn, I was going to say. I didn't want to be, like, tooting my own horn or... I don't know, like, I didn't want it to come off like I was being arrogant, having a lot of experience, um, and I and I just was lost at what angle I wanted to take. I didn't know whether I wanted to inspire people to sign up for a race, or, um, and so I just went into it, writing it with, I had no idea. I had no idea what was going to come out when I was writing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, how'd and that, I, how'd that feel, that you went, like, blank? I was like, I, I'm going to get this done, and we're going to write. I mean, there was so much that I could have written. I could have written for a really long time, right? But I was really happy with what came out. Yeah, I because, love it. Yeah, it, it was authentic. It came from my heart. And it was, when you have so much, I think, content to choose from, what comes out is, I think, what's the most important to you. So I was happy. So interesting. I was just listening to a podcast, Obviously I'm Addict, by Tim Ferriss this morning and it was about information overload and when we like have like how to pick out like the important things like there's so much information coming at us all the time from everywhere and he was like it's only when you hear something and you're like oh hell yeah that's when you need to pick it out yeah when you're like kind of like oh that's interesting like then maybe you don't need that but if you're like whoa you know, like that Oprah aha moment when uh-huh. she's like, oh, yeah, hold on. I'm feeling something here. You know, like those are the big things. And maybe that's what came out in your writing was all the kind of like, I don't know, important yeah, stuff. The important stuff. And, and, and that was what was important to me when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Now, who's not to say that a month from now something else might stand out. But I think it's, it's evolving what's important in life. Right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Now I'm going to ask Vale the first question. Vale, you described three parts to racing. Do you even remember your post? You sent it to me a long time I ago. Did. Right? I do. Okay, I do. Okay, good. Well, maybe not. Okay. Yeah. Um, you described training, race day, and the finish line. What's your favorite part of the experience and why? Yeah, um, I think my favorite part of the experience is definitely the finish line moment. Um, it's, and you wrote about this too. I, I think that feeling of accomplishment of like, I did it and, you know, all of that training and prep work that goes into it and behind it was worth it. And I mean, I think, interestingly enough for me, like, I think the training is really important to me as well. And I think that's why the finish line is so important because it made all the training worth it. Like all of that time that I put into something and now I can say I did it. I've accomplishment. I've accomplished it. Um, the race I actually sometimes don't enjoy. And my, yeah, like my husband, I remember, after my first and only full half Ironman was like, you're not allowed to do this anymore because you're not enjoying it. And sometimes it is hard for me to 
enjoy in the moment because my body is working so hard. But I think when you cross the finish line, you're like, yeah, that's why I did all that. That's why. So that's the moment for me. The finish line. Yeah, that's funny. Yesterday, Ricky and I, Ricky and I did that race in Ahusco, and he was like, I wish that there was, because we were going around corners to, at the top of the hill, and we didn't know when. I mean, we've ridden Ahusco many times, but it's been a couple of years, and so I didn't remember how many more corners there were, and it's all uphill, right? And he was like, I wish that there was music at the finish line so that we could actually hear that it was close. And then I started remembering music at finish lines of certain races and how what a celebration that is mm-hmm. when you get to cross. And Yeah, I have like certain races where like I can still feel that emotion. And I think, again, maybe I'm a like one long race person because I'm going to say my one and only marathon. But I just, that was so magical. Like that... There were so many people and I was holding, you know, one of my best friends from high school's hand and we were crossing the finish line together. And I remember the, what's that like crinkly thing that they, silver blanket. yeah, the silver blanket they put on you afterwards. And I just, that like emotion or that feeling is still sticks with me till now. Love it. And the beer. Yeah, and the beer. That's always <laughs> a plus. Yeah. You see that more in Mexico and it's just, it's actually kind of like we're spoiled here because now when there's not a beer, I'm like, where's my beer? I finished. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 So the race reward, race reward of being right there. Nice. Cool. All right. So my second question, oddly enough, starts with you are a competitor. <laughs> oh, no. Who she is. She's a, she's a great competitor. But what are the positive or negatives of being in the heart of the competition? Being in the heart. What do you mean by that? Like being in that hyper-competitive mode. (laughs) (laughs) That I'm asking because I am not competitive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I take it back. I'm not competitive with other people. I'm competitive with myself. Yes. Yeah. And I used to say the same thing. Oh. But I really am not competitive <laughs> with other people. So I don't know what it's okay. like to be in that, the heat I'll of that like, Yeah, I can tell you what it's like. Okay. So I'm going to talk specifically to one race, and it was Teques Que Tengo Super Sprint that I did just after, it was six weeks after um, Neva was born. And it was a short race, and I obviously didn't train a lot before that race because I was recovering from having a baby. And... <laughs> Like it has happened several times to me where somebody passes me in the finisher's shoot and I get really mad because I'm like, oh my God, like if I just ran a little bit harder to the finish line, they wouldn't have passed me. Well, in that race, there was a girl and I could sense that she was behind me. And when you finish, you go down this hill and you turn to the right and you sprint to the finish line if you're going to sprint to the finish line. And I could hear her behind me and I knew that she was behind me and I wasn't going to let her have it. So I let her, I, I didn't let her have it. We sprinted to the finish line, both of us, and crossed the finish line. Okay, in my competitive understanding, I actually crossed in front of her, like one step in front of her. And then she crossed right behind me, like half of a second. But my chip was on my left foot and I crossed with my right foot. So in my competitive nature, I was like, it ruined my race. I was like, 
I can't believe I crossed with my right foot and my chip was on my left foot. And of course, in the results, it's like, she beat me by one second. And, I, and in my mind, I'm like, she didn't beat me. Did you know her? No. No, I didn't okay. know her. But I knew right away that the chip was on my left foot. And I told Ricky right away, I was like, there was this girl and we were in the finisher shoot, but I crossed with my right foot and my chip was on my left. And of course, he was like, well, now you, now you learned a lesson. Pay attention to what foot your chip is on the next time that you're like sprinting to the finish line. And I was like, oh man, like you learn something new in every race. And so because I am competitive, I guess, I get discouraged when little things affect my result. Now, like, okay, so there is my result, which is my individual result win. If I was, if I was truly just competing against myself, that wouldn't have mattered at all. But because I don't, because, yeah, I do care that there's one person that's ahead of me and beat me by one second, it kind of, yeah, it puts a damper on the race. There's other races too, like the ASF race. I know now, March 4th, that I will line up at the front of that line because the time that it takes me to get to the start, like I always line up at the back and I'm like, oh, that one minute doesn't really matter. But there's girls that will finish um, after me in the race but before me because they started in front of me and it took me a minute to get to the start line. So that's the negative. The negative is that it can put a damper on the race experience. And the positive is that I will sprint to the finish line and like feel like I finished on empty. And I always tell my, I coach the running team at school. So I always tell my kids finish on empty, finish on empty. Like don't have something in the reserve when you finish a race. So I guess I kind of am able to um, walk my talk in a sense there Mm -hmm. and, yeah, give it my all. Hmm. Yeah. That was fun to go on like a little adventure in the mind of a competitor. (laughs) I started getting red in my face. Did you you see my face? I know. I know. You were really worked up. My blood started to boil a little bit there because it pissed me off. Yeah, I know. You're like, I don't know who that I'm girl is. I don't know but her name. I, yeah, I know. Because Tatiana Batista came up in my post, that girl. Uh-huh. My competitor. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting to, to hear it and hear how much passion. And I think maybe that's it. Maybe there is so much, you have so much passion there. That's maybe another positive with your competitiveness. There's like... There's something about that that's fueling you, that's giving you the drive. I'm glad that you're giving me positives for my competitiveness because I've always looked at it as a very... Like when somebody tells me I'm competitive, I feel offended. I feel like they're putting me down. Oh, yeah. I feel like they're saying... um, It's almost saying... It's almost like saying to somebody, you're egocentric or you're chauvinistic. For me, it's in the same category. You're competitive. And is it that I want to be better than somebody else? I, I want to say that the short answer is no. I want to perform better than them on that day. And I want to be like in the top 50% of my age group. If I'm in the bottom 50, I'm okay with that. See, but, but I, I want think to that be that's a little bit different than like competitive with like, I mean, cause I, I feel like even when I'm doing something, I always of course would prefer to be, you know, in the top 10% or, and that's, and I think, for me, my goals of like, oh, next race I'm going to be in the top 20 or whatever it is. 
And I felt sometimes in races like, oh, I think I could beat that person. But never like to the extent. Oh, I see the cues on the legs in triathlon. And I'm like, I'm going to catch that cue. And even yesterday in yesterday's race, there was like people with lights on their bikes. Cue mean, cue <laughs> tells you how old you are in a race, by yes. the way. <laughs> cue is 40 to 44. Uh-huh. And yesterday there was some people going up the hill with lights on their bikes. And I was like. It, I was just pegging lights. I was say say one light was like three bikes ahead. I was like, I need to catch that light. And then once I caught that light, I was like, I need to catch the next light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Wow. I think I, the I, moral I like, of the story there is this is why Diane is way faster than I am. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Yes, she is. <laughs> I'm not. Okay, I felt like that was a little bit like I felt like a therapy session there. Actually, my face, I need to discover what that was, what the physiological effect of that question had on me. Okay, prior to recording, we talked a little bit about being an expert trainer or simply bringing it on race day. In your post, you write that racing can be a metaphor for life. Describe how the race parallels your own life. Um, I mean, I think when I wrote that, I think it means it's maybe a metaphor for for parts of my life or because I I think with racing, one of the things about it is there's like a beginning and an end. Um, and I think in life, a lot of times we have these goals. And so I think to me, the metaphor is like the finish line is the goal, like reaching a goal. And so you know, you have to kind of do all of the legwork in life to get to a point where you can put things into action to get to where you want to go. And I think, I don't know, let me see if I can think of an example, but, um, I, I mean, even like moving to Mexico, um, I had always kind of had this idea in my head that I wanted to live abroad and I wanted to speak Spanish. Um, and so kind of like that race metaphor, it was like, Oh, well first I have to like do all the training. I could like figure out what is it that I have to do to make that happen. So I had to like research it and I had to think about where I wanted to go. And I had to think about, um, just, yeah, all the logistical side and, And I did all that. And then I went to the job conference and I did all the interviews and, and then I got a job in Mexico. And then I think for me, almost like the race was like that whole process of like, I'm going somewhere I have never been in my entire life (laughs) and kind of prepping all of that, selling all my things while drinking lots of mimosas, um, with my friend Eva, who was moving to Poland and then getting here. And I think the finish line was, I did it. I got here. I came to Mexico. Of course, I was only going to stay for a year. It's been a long time. Um, and I would say most people say I speak Spanish. Most people think I fully, fully have crossed the finish line, but I just kind of like that whole process. And I think racing really like, is, was a good tool in preparing me in my adult life for understanding how to kind of like work backward from a goal and figure out how to get there and to cross the finish line. Yeah. 
Awesome. And Val has been here for 11 years. Mm -hmm. I think that we mentioned that in the first podcast. Yeah. Oh, Mexico. Nice. All right. Um, my next one is, tell me more about your race book that holds your 100-plus races. And how does it make you feel to add another event? It's really funny that you should ask that question because... Yesterday we were cleaning up the house and I found Ricky's race bib from uh, the half Ironman Cartagena and I was like, do you want this? And he was like, no. And I put it in the trash and I said, don't you want to do a race book like I have? And he was like, he just looked at me and I said, it's not too late to start. Like your race book can start in your forties, 40 plus. And he was like, get it out of the trash. So I pulled it out awesome. of the trash. Yeah. yeah. Never too late. No. And, and I'm just starting a new book right now. I as well, because my first book honestly ended on the half marathon that I did when I was pregnant with Neva. So they're all races up to having kids. And then my new book will be every race that I've done after having kids. So the race book starts in, I want to say, 2002 or 2003, which with my first race, which was the 5k race in Colombia, it was a 5k. And so every race, I mean, I have tried to post, like keep track of every race. I don't have every race, but there, most of them are there, but every race, um, I have my race bib. Mm -hmm. I have any pictures that I have from that race, like one, two, or if it's a big race, then there's several. And then I have a little slip of paper and it, and this is why I say I compete against myself because it has like my number, the date, what kind of race it was, my finish time, what my pace was. And then it has what place I came in my category, what place I came in female, what place I came in overall. And I love looking back to see how I performed at certain times of my life. And, and then it brings me back to what was going on in my life at that time. And, um, and it shows me what I'm capable of. And at some point, that little voice in my head says, you're 41 now. You're never going to race a sub 25 5K. So yeah, you will. I know I will. I'm going to do it on March 4th at the 8th run when I win she my category. She will be at the front of the line. Do not push her out. I'm winning my category at that race. Um yeah, and I love looking back. It's I look back at it's like a journal. Well, it's more like a scrapbook. I do have notes from longer races. I have lessons I learned, things that happened, uh, feelings that I had during the race. And is it like a photo album? Have you never seen no, it? No, I've never seen oh it. Oh my god, I'm bringing it next time. Okay. No, it's a black um, moleskin book. It big, like a big, a large moleskin book with pages bigger than your notebook here, and all the pages are blank. And I've taped or glued in all of my numbers. And then there's a white piece of paper typed up, obviously, because I'm type A. And it can't be handwritten with um, all of the details. And then I have handwritten notes and then a picture. Nice. Yeah. I and love I, that. Yeah. It's fun. And I don't, I think, you know, I'm 40 now, but I think I can still. Oh, absolutely. If you, yeah. uh, yes. Because I, I, honestly, I have a few medals, but I really don't, haven't kept much and I couldn't tell you how many times I've raced but I've raced a lot you know yeah. but starting at 40 yes <laughs> you, need to, you need to get a book cool it's really fun to look back on yeah 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 awesome yay 
Okay. In your post, you write that some people, that you are sometimes told by people that they could never, in capitals, run a race. If somebody said this to you today, what might you tell them other than, yes, you could? Well, I, I, I think, I mean, I think I usually start with, yes, you could, but I think the reason that people, I, I think that, I think, obviously there are people who have handicaps that maybe they wouldn't be able to, but believe me, I have been so inspired by so many people who have handicaps that are doing it. So I think really it comes down to motivation. I think when people say I could never do it, it's not necessarily they could never do it. They don't have the desire. It's not something that at that moment when they're saying never, um, I think never is kind of this, um, thing we say to just kind of, um, put up that wall that, you know, that's something that I'll never have to do. But I think one is, is the motivation of, you know, if you really wanted to do it, um, you could do it. Anybody can do it. Um, but it takes work. And I think that's the thing for most people, it would take a lot of work to run a marathon or to do a half Ironman or to do a full Ironman. Um, but there's, there's something about that particular thing that they, I don't know, that they're just not willing to put in all that effort to get themselves there, which, which is fine. But I think just saying I could never do it isn't necessarily true. I don't believe people. What do you think they're really saying? They're saying I don't want to. And they're saying, yeah, they're saying I don't want to. And almost kind of saying you're crazy because you do it. Right. I sometimes feel that when like, you know, oh my gosh. And that it's usually like, that's usually like the phrase like, oh my gosh, you're so crazy. I could never do that. Like that's usually, those phrases usually go (laughs) hand in hand. And so that's this whole thing where it's kind of like that. I don't know, kind of like almost a defense mechanism to, to hearing somebody's accomplishments maybe. Right. Whereas I think that there are probably things that I've said I'll never do to something else in life that I probably could do too, that I'm putting a never there because it almost makes it so that like, I don't have to try. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I I touched on it in my post too, when I said it, you know, it changed my, my definition of the word never. Mm -hmm. In that case, I think that my fear was greater than my desire. And so fear took over and therefore never was, I was in never land. Well, and, and I think fears are different, I think with people with racing, but I think a big one is fear of failure. And so I think a lot of people that never comes from this fear of, well, I would try it, but then I'd never get to the finish line and then I'd fail and, and probably, I mean, I don't have any experiences of, you know, DNF, like did not finish. Um, but I think even an experience of not finishing is such an experience and such a, and, and an accomplishment to get out there and get to the starting line. I think that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Totally. 
Mine wasn't fear of failure. No, I know yours wasn't. Mine was fear of death. Yours was fear. Yeah, yours was fear of the water. And yeah, maybe we'll have a podcast just dedicated to that story because it is a doozy. (laughs) But I understand your fear of the water. I know yours wasn't taking me time to get through that. I know yours wasn't a fear of failure, but I think fear. Yeah. In general, is behind that never a lot of times. But I think in a, in a general sense, in a general public sense, I think a lot of times people are saying that because they just have a fear of failure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So. Did you set the timer? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, late, but we have That's two okay. minutes. So <laughs> this is a quick question for Diane. Wow. How has racing changed for you over the years? Um, well... Because I've had, you know, over recent years, because I've had kids, I'm not at all able to perform to the same caliber or level level that I was able to before. And I also trained, I don't know, I, like when I lived in Brazil, I feel like I performed a lot better, but I was also at sea level. Mexico City's really hard for me. We're at 2,500 meters. That's 7,500 feet. Um... And it's just hard for me. Like, my lungs do not operate well at this elevation running. And so it's, yeah, up here is hard for me. Um, And so my races here are not necessarily to outperform, but more to not suffer and enjoy the race. And I did a race um, at the the Christmas run in December. I did a 10K and... um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I sub 10, I sub 60 minute at it. And I was like, what a great race. And I didn't suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the air is thin here. It's, it's tough. Yeah. But that's why it's good to train here and then do and a then sea, level sea level competition. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. That's always, but that always feels good. Yeah. It's just hard. Also the. Pollution, yes, can be that also burns a hindrance absolutely for performance. So, I'm gonna put question five in place of question four because of time. Mm-hmm. How do you define a successful race? What needs to be in place for you to say that was a great race? That's a great question. Um, I think, oh man, I'll just quickly answer this question and then we'll finish up. But I think that every race to a certain extent when I've crossed the finish line has been a success. But I think when I've would really say it's been a huge success is when I have felt strong through every second, through every step. And I'm so proud of like my performance. And I think maybe that's why I train so hard And I sometimes don't think it has anything to do with the way I feel on race day. But I love when I get to a race and I feel strong and I feel, yeah, like there's just something about race racing that gives you that like badassery feeling. Like I can do anything. If I've just crossed this finish line, I can do anything. And so it's that feeling. Because there are definitely races where I felt like I've struggled and like, oh, if I can, you know, just need to go put one foot in front of the next to get there. And those, to me, aren't as successful. It's those ones where I'm, like, 
sprinting across the finish line. Um, but I'm usually sprinting only if I have the lungs left. Oh, yeah. You know? So it's not, I'm not necessarily competing to sprint. It's like, I've got that in me. I've got my heart and my lungs are pumping and, I, and, and yeah, that's success. Nice. Yeah. All right. So I have some sentence starters here for <laughs> She's Diane. She's going to get me back. I'm getting her back. For the sex one. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, I just love it when the sun beats down on my face. Awesome. Number two, if I could never race again, I would still race, find a way. I would be I would still be looking for a way to race again. Okay. <laughs> I don't think she really answered the question, but We'll move on to number three. <laughs> Sometimes I'm afraid of. Oh, not being a good mom. Hmm. Yeah. She's a really good mom. Okay. Four. Winning is important when. You're part of a team. Or, no, I don't know. Like when you're holding up a team. When you're, I guess it's not winning, it's performing your best is important when you're part of a team. Winning is important when um, you're there to win, when you're racing to win. Okay. Racing is like sex because... <laughs> <laughs> because there's a variety of distances. You can do the 100 meter... You can do the 5K, the half marathon, the full marathon. Um, yeah. I like a 5K personally. <laughs> full disclosure. Oh, man. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. We want to give a special thanks to Kelly and Kyle Music for our amazing riff to open and close the show. You can find them at, on Instagram at Kelly and Kyle Music. As well, if you are enjoying the podcast, please feel free to rate us on iTunes. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. It's a real pleasure to be here and join you guys wherever you are. Besos. Besos.